0: Hello and welcome to The Final Mix, the podcast where we take a deep dive into classic albums and analyze them track by track. I'm Jeremy Boyd and I've been a music geek since I was a small kid. If you're a fan of music like I am, join me as we listen together to a classic album. Right, episode 4 of The Final Mix. This is uh, really getting to be something here. I am having so much fun doing this podcast. I can't tell you how much fun I'm doing this podcast. I know that I say that every episode, but it, it is really a lot of fun doing these things. I'm getting to, get, uh, to discover so much great music. I'm listening to stuff that I never thought that I would ever listen to, or even really considered listening to. And I'm just rediscovering old music that I, you know, might have forgotten. And it's such a blast to be able to share that with so many people. I think what I love about this process is the fact that there are so many people out there who are music fans and they love this kind of music but maybe they don't have anyone to share it with or maybe they don't really maybe their friends don't share the the, the same uh taste in music that they do i've certainly been in that position before so it's really cool to hear from people who are listening along to the podcast and I would encourage you to do that if you are listening to this show I would encourage you to as well listen along with the album that we listen to so I, I know I only play a short clip of the song when it comes up but I would encourage you to you know check out Spotify and and Cue the album up and listen to it and and we can discuss it together. I think that's a a really cool thing and I I meant to mention that in the earlier episodes but I I think it's a really cool thing if you are so inclined to load up the album on Spotify or wherever you have it. Actually, if you have it on vinyl, that would be even cooler, I think. But if you can listen along with me To the album That would be so cool And I I would uh, Really Strongly encourage you To do that I have an an announcement To make I do have a website up Uh, It took A couple weeks To get that up But I do have a website It's uh, Thefinalmixshow.com And It's a great way To keep in touch With all of you I'm going to be Updating it soon I'm not sure Quite What features I will have on it but right now it's just a a way you can listen to the episodes and connect with my social media stuff but I'm going to have a a large presence on that and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun I think and it'll be a great place to have uh, just like a central hub so it's going to be my home base from here on out. I'm, I'm still going to be active on Twitter and, and all that, but I think it'll be great to have somewhere where I can spread all the information that I need. If at some point I decide I want to have merch, I'll probably sell it through that website. So check out the final And that's the website for this podcast. So I think that's all I wanted to say in terms of the intro. Let's get straight into the music, shall we? Let's uh, hit the button and see what album we are going to be listening to this week. Okay, so uh, the album that's come up here is Tonight's the Night by Neil Young. I'm a big Neil Young fan. I'm not actually... Okay, so... (laughs) I'm not a huge. I'm a huge Neil Young fan. I really like Neil Young, but I'm not that familiar with this album. Actually, I'm more familiar with the earlier stuff, like everybody knows this is nowhere and obviously Har- uh, Harvest and After the Gold Rush. But I'm not too familiar with Tonight's the Night, so I'm really looking forward to getting into this album. That'll be cool. So let's cue that up. So Tonight's the Night is actually a tribute to two of Neil Young's closest friends. Uh, Crazy Horse guitarist Danny Witten, who had died of a drug overdose, and Bruce Barry, who also died um, in the months before the songs were written. I had always thought that The Needle and the Damage Done was about Danny Witten. I could be wrong about that, though. Yeah. So the needle and the damage done uh, was written about Danny Witten and apparently so and so tonight's the night was written by about Bruce Barry and Danny Witten. So it's a reaction, really it's more a bigger picture of being against uh, drugs and drug overdoses and just the grief that comes with you losing your friends, uh, to drugs. And I've never lost a, a close friend to such a tragic thing to drugs and, or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, but I can only imagine that it must be a really weird feeling because, you know, your parents, you, you, it sucks losing your parents, but you, you still kind of expect it, you know, you know, it's going to happen. You know that someday, the people that raised you aren't going to be around You don't really expect it with people who are your age So that must be a really tough thing to to accept and to get through So uh, I'm really curious to hear what this sounds like So let's get into the first song Which is actually the title track Called Tonight's the Night Tonight's Let's do it Yes, it is. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Yes, it is. Tonight's the night. Okay, so that song was pretty raw, in a good way, in a very good way. What I liked about the song was how raw and emotional the vocals were. That really, that really affects the way that this song and the feeling behind it. You can really f- hear the loss in Neil Young's voice. It's such an emotional thing. He's you can hear him moving away and and getting closer to the microphone. The vocals are almost fading in and out and it's it's almost it's it's very a very cathartic release uh, of a vocal performance. You can hear the emotion in the song. You can hear the the pain and the suffering. In the vocals it's such um, it's such a raw thing instrumentally I love how the song starts off with the piano and it builds up from there I love it how there's the the interplay between the bass and the piano in the beginning that really great bass line and, and, and then slowly as the song progresses the band really kind of picks it up and it really comes together in a, in a very cool way. This song is actually a song that I'm familiar with. It's a song that I've known, you know, you hear it on classic rock radio all the time. This album is a very serious album. And, well, I mean, at least this song is. It's, it's dealing with some very serious and dark subjects. I think this song really is a testament to the to the, the 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 genius of Neil Young and his ability to create a song that is very dark but also has some the instrumentation is really good the band is playing really well you can tell that it's a live band playing in the studio it's not a a a song that was worked up with overdubs so uh, you know he's really good at, at conveying that he's really good at, at getting to the heart of of the song and just laying it out on the line he's really good at just saying hey this is what this song is about Bruce Bruce Barry was a working man he used to work load that a Conoline van okay you immediately have an image of who Bruce Barry is and you know that this song is about him it's about a roadie. It's about a guy and, and it ne- might not necessarily be a roadie for a band. It could be a mover. It could be what you you know who the guy is. He's a blue collar working guy. Okay, so that's what this song is about. Even if you don't know who Bruce Barry is, you know who Bruce Barry is in terms of the character in the song. Whether or not he's a real guy is kind of irrelevant to the listener. To, to Neil, it's very important that he pays tribute to his friend. But to the listener, it doesn't really matter who Bruce Berry is because you know exactly who he is by that simple line. And so that's what really Neil Young is a gen- genius at, is telling you what the song is about and just saying everything he needs to say in one or two lines and this song is such a great example of that so I absolutely love this song so I'm very curious to see what the the rest of the album is gonna be uh, uh, like so let's get to the song speaking out which is the next song Wow, what a great song. Um, that was such a cool song. That I love the bluesy piano of that song and that was actually Neil Young playing the piano. I didn't know that he was such a great piano player. I'm completely blown away by the fact that he can play the piano so well. I always knew he was a great guitar player, but I did not know that he he had the ability to play the piano like that. I I'm, I'm sure I I'm not surprised that he can play the piano. But I didn't know he could play the piano that well. Again, doing like Little Richard kind of trills on the high notes, all this bluesy stuff. That was such a cool song. I love the interplay between the guitar and the piano. The guitar was done by Nils Lofgren. Nils Lofgren is actually known he plays right now i th- i believe he's still with uh, Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band but he started out as a as a session musician i think he was mostly known as being the guy on um Neil Young's After the Gold Rush but he's a great guitar player and he also played a lot of piano on this album too but he's an amazing guitar player, and just the the interplay between Neil Young's piano and Nils Lofgren's guitar was such a cool little vibe that I could listen to the, the those two guys solo all day. One thing that I noticed, too, is the band that's playing on this uh, album... Uh, they're called the Santa Monica Flyers, and I think it's just a, a studio band that Neil Young has put together. That's what he calls the the session musicians that played on this album. And I had always thought that this was a Crazy Horse album. I had always... Because I know the the song uh, Come On Baby, Let's Go Downtown is a Crazy Horse song, but it's that's a tribute to Danny Witten. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I had always thought that it was Crazy Horse backing him up on the whole album, but it's this other band. And that's the way that Neil Young works. Like someone like um, like Tom Petty always worked with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, except when he did his three solo albums. So it was always the same band. He had, he was part of the band. Neil Young works in a very different way because when, when people think about Neil Young's backing band, they usually think of Crazy Horse. But he has also put out a whole bunch of solo albums that don't include crazy horse or include another band like the stray gators or uh the shocking pinks when he did a rockabilly album in the 80s so or you know with uh crosby stills nash and young you know so he he kind of flies around a, a whole bunch of different bands and puts on different hats. Sometimes he's a hard rocker. Sometimes he's doing acoustic stuff. I guess it really depends on the mood and the uh, the, the attitude that he has at the time. That's cool. That's the way Neil Young works. Uh, but speaking out, that was such a cool song. I loved the bluesy feel to it, and the um, the band was playing really well, really, really well. Uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed that song. So let's get to the third song on the album called World on a String. Okay, so that was World on a String. That was a cool song, wasn't it? Um, I love the the heavy guitar in that song. It's such a hard rock sort of song. It really reminds me of... Like Neil Young is considered the uh, godfather of grunge. Uh, he did an album in the 90s with Pearl Jam. So he's kind of known as the godfather of grunge, which is really cool that... that that generation really recognized him as uh, a major influence, and I think this song has a lot to do with that. This song is very much in the vein of that signature uh, heavy Neil Young guitar tone, and he the the reason the the way that he gets that tone is he has this Les Paul, this black Les Paul, that uh, he never changes the strings on and which really annoys his guitar tech but he he will only change a string if it breaks and it has this dark dark tone and it's beat up and it's like a 1950s les paul with a bigsby tailpiece and he that's how he gets that tone what i love i just love that heavy swampy guitar and the way the chorus comes in, the chorus, the, the guitar kind of dips down and the chorus is a lot softer. You know, it's it has this undertone of this electric piano, this twinkly electric piano in the chorus. And it's uh, a really cool contrast with the rest of the song because a lot of the times a typical rock song will build up to a chorus you know maybe the the intro and the verse will be a little softer but the chorus comes in strong but this song kind of does the opposite to that this song is more like the chorus or the the, the intro and the verse are the ones that are on on 6 or 7 not up to 10 but 6 and 7 and then for the ver- the chorus, it kind of dips down to like a four or five. It's really cool and interesting dynamic shift of the typical way that you would build a song. And it's very effective. And I think it, it really just, um, you know, it's just a creative thing that, that you can do. It, it just shows you that there really are no rules to writing songs. And it was uh, just a, a cool little... Thing that I noticed, so that was really great. And again and again, the, this song really, l- really lends itself to being played live. This whole album I'm finding lends itself to being played live. What I'm hearing and what I'm picking up on is this band is not. This album was not really overdubbed. It was mostly recorded live off the floor, meaning all the musicians in the studio at the same time and it really has that that raw sort of loose feel to it and this song in particular reminded me of a time when you could do that it seems like bands don't really do that anymore but this was a time when that was really just the norm and you know maybe you would overdub the vocals or something but for the most part the instruments would be played live with very little editing, you couldn't really edit that much because it's on tape. You you had to rely on the musicians being really good, and the the group of musicians that Neil Young has assembled for this album are that good. So I think it's really uh, telling to to Neil Young's eye for talent that he was able to as- assemble these people and that he was able to get this band into the this the studio and to have them play live and to it's one thing to assemble a bunch of studio musicians and just play the song and have everybody overdub it's quite another to have them play live but also to have them play well with each other and you can tell that they're kind of taking musical cues off of each other which is really uh cool to hear and i i love that dynamic So let's go to the next song, which is called Borrowed Tune, and uh, let's hear what that sounds like. Okay, that was a very delicate piece, and I really enjoyed that. Very soft, and this was, I think, more of a typical Neil Young song. The way that I think people have this perception of him, of what his songs sound like. Like, I think he has two different modes. I think he has this um, soft, gentle, delicate side with the acoustic guitar or piano and a harmonica. And then I think he also has the harder rock Sort of element as well, with like, you know, Rockin' in the Free World or Cinnamon Girl and, and songs like that. But I think when people think about Neil Young, this is the style of song that they think about. At least that's my perception of it. I love that it's just him with a piano and a harmonica. And I love that he's singing in his higher register. The way that he would sing on, like Old Man, or The Needle and the Damage Done. I think when he sings in that higher register, you can kind of tell that it's maybe a more serious song. A little more, uh, the lyrics are probably more more important. So it's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna strip this down to just having it it be a piano and a harmonica for the uh, melody and just my voice because I want people to hear the lyrics. And I want people to pay attention to the lyrics. What I think the lyrics are saying is, I think it's an, a reflection on Neil Young's career up until this point. Because he's a, at this point, th- this album was recorded in, in 73, 74, and released in early 75. And I think this song is a reflection on his career because he's been in the business for about 10 years at this point and he's seen a lot of stuff obviously Uh, and he's reflecting on his friend his two friends that have died from drug overdoses not just his friends not just the people he knows personally but his generation you know people like you know jimi hendrix and janice joplin and jim morrison and brian um jones so it's a reflection on the 60s culture and what it was and what it was supposed to be and not supposed to be and what it ended up being. And, you know, he's saying I'm sitting here, something like I'm sitting here singing this borrowed tune that I took from the Rolling Stones or I'm paraphrasing, I'm screwing up the the lyrics, but that's that was the one line that stuck out to me. It's like he's... Because he's too wasted to uh to write his own song, it's like well he he's kind of he's kind of saying that he's become too big of a deal in the music industry to to be bothered to write his own song, or at least maybe he's not maybe he's not even talking about himself. I just realized maybe he's not even really talking about himself, but he's talking about he's taking on a character like playing a character like a movie, and he's thinking about. You know, and this character is a, is a rock star who's been in the business for a while, and he's become jaded and cynical. That very well could be, so you know, it could be any number of things. And again, Neil Young is one of those people who some of the, some of the songs you know what they're about, but a lot of it is left open to interpretation. And I just, I love this song and I love the the delicate nature of it. And it's a serious song, but it it has, but it's very gentle at the same time. And I, uh, I really, I really love this song. Uh, so let's get on to the next song, which is actually the tribute to Danny Witten. This song is Come On Baby, Let's Go Downtown. It was recorded five years before the album came out in 1970 but the reason that it's on the album is because it was written by Danny Witten. Uh, so it's called Come On Baby, Let's Go Downtown. Come on baby, let's go downtown. Okay, uh, I am actually pretty familiar with that song, and I absolutely I think it's one of the the better Neil Young songs. You know, you hear it all all, all the time on classic rock radio. So Danny Witten actually has the lead vocals on that song, which is really cool, and you know, he's a great singer. I really like the way he sang that song. It's a, it's just a really great. Rock and roll song. It's it's really just a solid band playing a song live. It's a testament to the the way that Crazy Horse. It was recorded with Crazy Horse. It was recorded live at the Fillmore. It actually came out later on a on a another uh, live at the Fillmore like live album. But it, its first appearance was on this album, and um, the reason obviously is to pay tribute to Danny Whitten, who had had passed away. And the thing that I immediately recognized in the song is just the two guitars, Neil and Danny Witten's guitar, just the way that they were playing with each other. They were really in sync with each other and weren't getting in each other's way. You could distinguish the two, and they but they worked really well together. And I, and I absolutely loved the way that the two guitars were working symbiotically together I don't know if that's a word but so I really like that so this is kind of sad that he started using heroin after he found that it helped with his rheumatoid arthritis so he was really using heroin as a painkiller which you hear nowadays that like people there's an opioid crisis but you didn't really hear about it back then you would hear about people overdosing on heroin and it was because they were using it as a a recreational thing. But he was using it as a painkiller. He found that it helped with his arthritis, which is, I think, even more sad because he was in so much pain that he felt that he needed to numb the pain, literal pain, not emotional pain, but literal physical pain. He was using it to get rid of the pain of his arthritis, which is just such a tragic thing. And he died so young. He was 29 when he died and a brilliant guitar player, obviously he, otherwise he wouldn't have been part of Neil Young and crazy horse. And, uh, he was just, um, just addicted to this stuff. And he, he couldn't shake it, which is really just sad it's just a sad thing it's sad when when anybody has an addiction and uh, they can't really deal with it but it's another thing that like it it didn't even start off as a recreational thing it was he it was to to numb his pain and he just got addicted and it just took him which is man that's just such a, a tragic thing so anyway, I want to move on uh, to the next song, which is Mellow My Mind. Uh, so let's uh, get into that one. Baby, my mind. Make me feel like a school- Okay, interesting. That was an interesting journey for me. At first I didn't like that song. I when I, I this is the first time I've heard the song, but at, at first I didn't like it. I didn't like the vocal performance that Neil Young was giving. I thought it was weird that he was singing way off key and just going off and then I started listening to the lyrics. And I think what the song is trying to convey is what heroin does to you. The song is called Mellow My Mind. And the lyric goes, baby, please mellow my mind. But the way that he's singing it is chaotic and disjointed. So I think how I interpret that is heroin initially will make you feel great it will make you feel really 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 good but it will destroy your life and i think what he's what the message of the song is the words that i'm saying are positive but the way that i'm saying them are negative negative. and i think that's the the thing that he was trying to get at is this stuff makes you feel good in the short term, but it's dangerous stuff. You do not want to screw around with this stuff. I think that's what he was trying to get at. I could be totally wrong, but that's how I interpret this, is that he was trying to warn people. It's like, hey, you know what? This stuff isn't uh, isn't great. You need to be pay attention here. Listen to the way that I'm saying this is how, you know, it's not, this is not a fun thing, you know, it's, it's just disjointed and chaotic, but you need to pay attention. You know, I think that's what he was trying to convey. I could be totally off base, but I think that's what it was. So the fact that he does that is just, it's such a genius move to purposely make your voice sound like crap in order to convey the message that you know something serious is going on and it's potentially an epidemic and th- this is an issue that needs to be addressed i think that was a brilliant uh, way to do it and it, it just that just goes to show you the the genius of the songwriting that that neil young gets i just you know i think it's great Okay, so moving along, now over to side two. The next song is called Roll Another Number for the Road. Let's get into it. Roll another number. Okay, roll another number for the road. I dug this song. Um, Again, it's that disjointed sort of goodbye, you know, sort of thing, dealing with his career, dealing with the hippie generation, sort of criticizing that. What I like about this song is it's self-reflective. It's self-reflective of Neil Young's sort of, growing up it's a growing up song and it's him realizing that the hippie generation and the woodstock generation and people like that didn't have all the answers although at the time they thought they did much like what's going on politically right now is everybody thinks that they have the answer to the world's problems and nobody really does i think it's a a reflection of that And, and you know everybody grows up at some point and realizes that nobody really knows what they're doing. And I think this song is, is reflective of that. Everybody who was at Woodstock or in that sort of hippie generation in San Francisco and, and all that sort of scene, everybody thought that they had the answer to the world's problems. You know, Vietnam was wrong, which it was. And they needed radical change, which is true. But you can't affect change so so drastically. Things have to change one at a time. And they it seems like nowadays, the everybody wants the world to change. Every everything that's wrong with the world needs to change right now, which I understand that I I completely understand that sentiment. But that's not the way things happened. Changes happen one at a time. So I think the this song is reflective of, of that. It's sort of realizing that, you know, the idealism of youth and young people wanting the world to change for the better, which is a noble thing, but also kind of reeling it in a little bit and saying, hey, you know what? That whole scene wasn't all it was cracked up to be. It wasn't the the love fest that everyone thought it was we didn't have the answer to the world's problems and we we realize that now this is something that i see and it's something that needs to that i need to reflect on i think it's a brilliant song and i like the loose feel of of the the band playing well i was just reading up on the album and apparently when they were recording this album that the band would show up, all the musicians would show up like at five o'clock in the afternoon, and they would drink tequila and play pool until about midnight, and then they would start recording. So the the recording sessions for this album were sort of a drunken mess, but it it kind of works. That That loose, sloppy sort of feel really kind of works for the album and really gets across that sentiment. And I absolutely love the fact that that's what's going on with these songs and what's going on with these musicians is they're all wasted recording this album. and I, I absolutely love that. It just it makes so much sense for the songs on this album for for it to be recorded that way, it's uh that just tickled me. That it just, you know, I love that. I love that, and you know, of course, they're they're mourning their friends who have died, Danny Witten and Bruce Barry. Let's not forget that this this is a very serious thing, and I think maybe that ritual of just loosening up and and playing pool and having a good time, so that they could get into a more positive headspace to be able to deal with the material on the album. And Neil Young is one of those people who doesn't shy away from telling you how he really feels. And so for him to get into that headspace, I think he needed a little bit of a distraction between showing up at the studio and starting to record. I think he needed that sort of social time in order to get into the right headspace to record these very serious songs. A lot of the songs aren't that serious. They're kind of silly and funny and fun, but there is definitely a darker undertone to, to all of these songs. And I think they were in mourning and they, they really needed that social time in order to get into the, the proper headspace. Alright, so without further ado, let's get into the next song, which is called Albuquerque. Albuquerque I've been flying down the road And I've been starving Okay, Albuquerque. I think what this song is kind of about is Neil Young's desire to sort of get away from, from, from fame, or at least take a break from it. Because Albuquerque, he won't, he's talking about going to Albuquerque and stopping at a diner and just doing normal things, normal everyday things. And I think these are things that he can't really do because of his fame. So he's traveling to a town like Albuquerque, which is kind of a nothing city. Sorry, people in Albuquerque, but it's not like... What I mean is it's not Los Angeles or New York. It doesn't really have a big show business scene. So he can kind of blend in with regular people there and I think that it, it doesn't, it could be anywhere really, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be Albuquerque, but it could be just the fact that he can blend in with the regular folks and be able to, I don't know, just get away from fame and get away from the the the, the grind of having to write songs and record and be on TV and all that stuff he can he wants to, it's about the desire to to take a break from that and to tell you the truth you know to keep away from drugs you know th- that's the theme of this album is he's mourning his friends who have died from drug overdoses and this song is sort of saying okay how can i get away from that how can i go to somewhere that doesn't have that scene that doesn't have that that problem of you know of the trappings of fame of of you know getting into trouble basically and uh, how can I get away from that I think that's what this song is is about and I think the fact that it's such a, a slow number again the slow songs seem to be the ones where he wants you to pay attention to the lyrics and i think that's what this song is it's it's a song that you need to pay attention to the lyrics to it's not an easy song to listen to it's a dark thing and it's it's easy to criticize this and say oh it's it's easy for you to say you're famous you know you shouldn't complain about being famous well you know what famous being famous is not everything that's cracked up to be. It can be a tough life for a lot of people, and a lot of people struggle with fame. So I wouldn't fault Neil Young for for wanting to get away from that lifestyle. It's definitely not all it's cracked up to be. That's for sure. I think he accepts it, but I think he would rather just be a songwriter and continue making records without all the, the... Crap that comes with being famous So anyway Let's um, move along To the next song We've got a couple left Uh, The next song is called New Mama So here we go New Mama's got a sun In her eye No clouds Are in my Changing sky Each morning To rise, I'm living in a dreamland. Wow, okay. That was uh, a pretty intense song. I love the fact that it uh, has the very... It's just... Neil Young with an acoustic guitar, and of course the the beautiful harmonies of of the whole band singing. It sounds a lot like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young with the harmonies, but it's not. It's 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 not um, those guys singing on it. It's a this song to me is a a song about change, and it's about a a, a change in attitude, a change in life, a change in Just a change in whether it's positive or negative. I think what this song is about is, yes, his friends have died of of drug overdoses, and that's sad. But I think it's also about accepting the fact that change is a part of life. And the fact that you have to look at change as a positive thing, even though you might not see it at the time. Every change in your life, you have to turn it into a positive. You have to look at the positive, even when someone dies. Even if it's something as simple and people might not want to admit it, but if someone is sick and they finally die, there's although you're sad that they die, there's also a sense of relief that you don't have to worry about them anymore. You're, it's a weird thing that where you're worried about someone dying, but once they do die, there's a relief that you don't have to worry about them dying anymore. And I think that's kind of what this song is about. It's kind of sort of trying, at least attempting to see the positives in the death of his friends saying, okay, that happened, and it's sad, and I'm, I miss my friends, but there's a new beginning. There's always a new beginning, and I think that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, this album is sad, but it, it you, there must be hope on the horizon. There must be a sense of hope. Otherwise, it's just a, a melancholy. You can't dwell in melancholy the whole way. There has to be hope at the end of the album. You can have a whole album of depressing songs, but if there's no hope at the end of it, then to me that's just uh, wallowing in your own self-pity, and I'm, I'm not cool with that. So I, I, I'm really pleased that this kind of song was on the album and that it was included. All right, so let's get into the next song. We've got a couple songs left. Uh, this song is called Look Out Joe. Look out- cool all right uh look out joe that was a cool song um i think really the 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 purpose of that song was more to showcase the band and to get the band sh- to to display the band's uh, musical prowess and the way that they played with each other because i think this song was not really A song about anything it's i guess you could interpret it that it's a a song talking to uh veterans of the vietnam war and i was just reading about some of that and people interpreting that song i i don't know if that's necessarily true it could be but it feels more like not a throwaway song but a song that isn't quite as serious and a song that's really purpose is to to showcase the band and the band were just playing so great on this song that that definitely works for me it's a testament to these musicians i don't think that neil young actually toured with these guys i think he certainly played with them on a couple of albums i think he recorded with them on on the beach and I think maybe on After the Gold Brush. I could be totally wrong about that. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of the same musicians, like Nils Lofgren and and people like that, were very prevalent on on a lot of his work. And it just has that sound, and I think a lot of it is the drum, like the way the drums are played. So I think the it's important to showcase the band when you can and i think it's crucial to have a good band with you and neil young has been lucky enough to have a few good bands with him of course crazy horse but also the i'm not sure why he didn't record this album with crazy horse it that seemed to that would have made sense that would have made sense to me to record the the whole album with crazy horse but maybe he was just so grief stricken that he didn't want to put that band together and to have them play without danny Witten. but i think they did he did follow up this album with zuma which is recorded with crazy horse so i think he was itching to get back to playing with them and of course the production on this album by david briggs Uh, his production is very loose and very uh, conducive to live bands and live music and having all the, the musicians play live in the studio. This is just a fantastic album through and through, and we've got two more songs left. Let's hear the next song, which is Tired Eyes. Tired eyes. Open up the tired eyes. Okay, Tired eyes. That song is literally a cautionary tale about heroin and what it does to someone and trying to get someone to to kick the habit before it's too late. Open up the tired eyes. Ty- Heroin is a is a downer. It's a depressant. It numbs you. It knocks you out. So I, it's a, a warning or a, a pleading with someone to, to kick the habit. So that song definitely is about that. That's for sure. Again, the band is playing well. Great song. Uh, fits in with the album really well I love the song that that was probably my favorite song on the album I uh, really enjoyed that one it's sad and it's painful but that's what I love about it it's a cautionary tale it's like hey you know don't, uh, don't get involved with this stuff and if you are involved with this stuff please stop because it's not worth it that's the feeling that I get from that song it's sad and it's painful when someone that you love is going through something like that and it sucks, but you have to deal with it. And it's something that you, that, that it sucks to deal with something like that. And luckily he has an outlet for it. He, he's able to write songs about it and to express himself and in this cathartic way to just get it out there and, what i was reading about this album is they recorded the album but it was shelved and it was rick danko from the band who convinced neil young to put the album out he didn't want to put it out because he felt that it was too personal he just thought well this album no one's gonna to want to hear it or it's just too painful i don't want to revisit it so he shelved it and then he recorded on the beach on the Beach came out before this album and then Rick Danko convinced Neil Young to put it out put it out and and it's one of his best albums it's considered a classic in, among Neil Young fans and I think it's because it's so personal that people identify with the, the album so I think that's really cool uh, that he actually did put the album out eventually and where I'm very glad that he did. So we've arrived to the last song on the album, and this is something that's actually quite common with Neil Young, is he will bookend the album with two versions of the same song. He did it with Rest Never Sleeps, uh, with Hey Hey My My and My My Hey 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 two versions, one acoustic, one electric. He did it with the album Freedom, the two versions of Rockin' in the Free World, and I'm pretty sure he's done it a couple other times. So what he's done here is Tonight's the Night Part 2. So I'm very curious. I don't think I've ever heard this version of Tonight's the Night. So I'm curious to see if it's a different song like Part 2 or if it's just another version of the same song. So this is the album closer. We finally got here. Here is... Tonight's the night, part two. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Bruce Barry was a working man. He used to load that Econoline fan A sparkle. Okay, tonight's the night part two. That was interesting, honestly. Well, I don't think it was necessary to have that on the album. They, it's kind of redundant to have two versions of the same song that are so close to each other. Like the the part two and part one are pretty similar, although this one's a little looser, a little more free. But I'm not the one that makes the, those decisions. I just don't think it was really necessary to have uh this version on the album. It just seemed kind of redundant, but, you know, that's that's just the way they did it, <laughs> I guess. Um I I like this album overall and uh, I this was a little more serious than the last couple of, of albums that we did, but you know, I I knew that was bound to happen at some point. They can't all be fun Albums. This album is dealing with some pretty dark subject matter and some really dark, depressing themes, you know, dealing with death and drug addiction and addiction in general and and things like that. So they can't all be winners, but... uh, Not winners, but, you know, they can't all be uplifting, happy songs like The Monkees or, you know, or Little Richard. Those songs are important those albums are important but you know they can't all be uppers they have to sometimes you need some uh ch- reality check and this uh album was definitely that this album felt very personal and uh i thank neil young for putting it out because i think he's talking about things that need to be talked about, and especially in an era when people weren't really talking about these problems. They weren't really talking about mental health and addiction and what it does to people and how it destroys people's lives and and the, the sheer terror that people feel when someone who is close to them is destroying themselves and there's nothing they can do to stop it. So it's a pretty dark album. It's a very personal album, but I think it's a discussion that's important to have, and I absolutely love this album. So I guess I'll end the podcast there. I want to thank you so much for listening to the end if you made it this far. Be sure to check out the website, thefinalmixshow.com, and there you can check out my Twitter and all that stuff. All the links are on the website. I'll have some cool stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. I'll be adding to the website and doing some some cool things. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to drop me a line, uh, send me an email at thefinalmixpodcasts at gmail.com. And subscribe on iTunes if you can leave a little review. I really appreciate that. Rate the, the podcast on there because it helps people discover the show. And thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Take it easy.